Hi, Signature Associates and friends. Welcome to the Signature Edge Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you design an uncommon and impactful career in the business of healthcare. Together, we are making a difference for our clients by lowering the rising costs and administrative burdens associated with great care. Engage with us as we spotlight big ideas to discover an uncommon you through leadership, teamwork, and focus on the healthcare industry. Think deeply, commit fully, and take yourself to the next level of performance. Welcome back, everyone. To the edge. I am so excited to be here today. Who am I? I'm Mark Mathia. I'm the Chief Experience Officer here at Signature, and I want to introduce you to some of my trusted friends at work. Amy Hennings, who is the Vice President of Experience. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Great to be here. It's good to see you and hear you. And Chris Woodhouse, who is the Director of the infamous Claims XM. Chris, welcome to the show. Hello, Mark. Thank you. Well, it's great to be here today, and it's great to kick off another uh, edge. But before we get going, I'm just really curious what's been going on uh, this week, maybe last week, since the last time we've been together. Uh, what are you up to? What What has impressed you this week, or what's on your mind? Well, for me this week, been doing a lot of introspection, thinking about things, and uh, actually just signed up with a health coach to just help me pursue some of my goals and uh, work through some accountability and uh, help me identify some areas in my life that, you know, I want to see grow and and do better. Awesome, Chris. And as you, as you thought about jumping into a health coach, do tell, what, what are you hoping to achieve? Yeah. So you've been thinking a lot about the way I approach things, the way I approach life. And, you know, I have one of my strengths is to be strategic and sure. along, along with that comes you know, this foresight, right, as to lining up different pieces, putting pieces in place to to make sure when you knock the dominoes over, they all fall down, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think for me, one of the downsides of that strength is I have the tendency to wait till all the do dominoes are set up and in place before I start knocking them over. And so I can do a lot of planning with no action. And if you do a lot of planning and no action, you you go nowhere. You might have the best plan in the world, but until you activate that plan, you've accomplished nothing. So, you know, the question that's on my mind is what are you waiting for? What is it that's holding you back? And I would say for me, you know, a lot of times it's fear of failure. What if this amazing plan I put together doesn't work out, right? Then then I really struggle with letting other people down. And so just being courageous and taking those first steps and and pursuing the goals to execute the plan. I love how Alan says it. He's always, you know, if you're 70% sure, that's enough to to take action, right? doesn't yeah. have to be 100%. So that's that's where I am these days. Well, that's interesting, Chris. Amy, what about you? What's on your mind? This week on my mind is <laughs> block planning, block scheduling. So I'm taking a new approach to owning my time. And I learned something about myself a couple of weeks ago that I have to, in my day, get myself a couple hours of just absolute quiet time. Mm. I think because what I'm finding is when I don't do that, I'm just owned by whatever comes in my door and I'm reactive. And so I am working with Janine Robertson and she is helping me 
block my calendar so that I stick meetings together, then I stick work time together and meetings and my team's getting calendar invites moved every which way. So I'm thankful for them for that. But that is what I'm I'm thinking about. I learned one, one of the little things um, when I was a little kid um, in elementary school, I hated recess, like hated recess. And I see Mark and Chris for audio and Addison, the producer, laughing at me because they all loved recess probably. I hated it. I thought it was chaotic. I liked to wear dresses to school. It was not, it was always cold outside. All the gravel got into my Mary Janes. It stressed me out. And so I would go sit in the library where it was nice and quiet. There was lots of books and they had Encarta on DVD or CD at that time, probably. And I could look at the encyclopedia. How cool was that? I can't think of anything cooler. And so I need library time at work and have a little quiet time. That is how I'm built, apparently. Amy, there's probably some listeners who don't know what Encarta is. That, that was a there blast from the past. <laughs> was, yes. I loved Encarta. I <laughs> will never forget the first time I, I saw Encarta and I could press play and hear the president's speeches. I was one, I remember just being mesmerized by That's that. That's pretty fantastic. That was a great tool. That is. That, that was one of the first kind of jaunts into multimedia. Um, so think encyclopedia, um, digitized, exploration. And Amy, I'm so sorry you didn't get out and get fresh air and sunshine, um, which everyone says is good Over, for you, except you. Overrated. Overrated. <laughs> and yet I have a whole career born on the playground. Hey, you know, one of the things I wanted, I wanted to bring up as well is something that we uh, did participate in together. And for those uh, associates who are in the Omaha area, we had a little get together where we just got together to recognize a very special kind of occasion for the company. And we called it Founders Day. And so this was probably, you know, you know, given the the journey that we've been on with weather and COVID and everything else, one of the first and maybe the largest, Amy, I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong, um, kind of just get together as a group just to say hi. And I saw so many faces. You know what was on my mind? The power of connection. Just to be be able to, to be there, be present, to see people, uh, reconnect with folks I haven't seen because we've gone to this hybrid thing. And so uh, my world had gotten a little smaller and boy, did it open up. And that Founders Day uh, was a really nice way to get together with other people and to say hi again. And um, we actually hugged and did things like that. Like, it's like, whoa, what happened? This was great. It was a it was a great event celebrating a great occasion. It was pretty fantastic. I, I left that event just super, super happy. It was so fun to see uh, old friends and make some new friends as well. It was, the turnout was awesome. And we got to meet some of our listeners. Kevin, Lori, I can, I see you guys out there. I'm so glad you came and told us that you listened to The Edge. I know. And I'm really excited about Lori volunteering to come on and be a guest. No, um, you missed that, Chris. That was a good moment for us. Lori's going to come on. It might be our first video podcast. Awesome. That, yeah. Just a real subject matter expert on everything revenue cycle and, and putting together a great team and plan. So excited about that. Founders Day. Um, you know, we think about that. And and as I looked around the room, I just recognized that every single associate in this company, whether you were at that that event or not, you are part of the foundation of this company. And, and we have just really a lot of work ahead of us, a lot of high aspirations in reducing uh, the administrative costs and burdens, of course, 
but but also doing it in such a signature way that helps our clients' business thrive throughout the entire transformation process. And that really gets me excited, but it also puts the pressure back on leading well and high performance. And I often think to myself, wow, this whole thing, you know, how we set each other up about leading well and performing great at work is so important and an important conversation. So much so that uh, our producer, Addison Stoddard, sent us a great resource. It was called High Performers Need These Five Things According to Science. And it was in Fast Company on uh, January uh, 24th this year was a publication date. And it'll be, the link will be in the show notes. Team, um, as we kind of digest this idea of what the science can do, what were your first impressions? So there was a spot in the article that talked about there being an actual neural connection for these high-performing individuals. And, you know, so often I take that for granted, right? Like there's this connection to what you're doing as opposed to just doing a task. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really the case. I've seen it on our team. And when you give someone, uh, call it a playground to go and here's an issue, go solve, right? They really own it. They take and they connect to the problem. They really start thinking in abstract ways. And I, I really like that concept of, of, neural connection to whatever it is right that was that was a neat thought that that struck me i think that is spot on chris and and i had to go and i i kind of looked at it a little bit deeper because i'm not sure everyone understands what neural connection is and so when i thought about man what is this the the function what is this neural connection we're trying to to figure out i i went and found a definition it's the human brain is composed of thousands of neurons that form intricate neural connections which define the very structure and function of the brain and regulate numerous physical behaviors a neural connection is generated when the body is exposed to stimulus and reach the stimulus threshold. At that point, an electrical message is transmitted from sensory neurons to motor neurons to elicit a physical response. So it is literally that connection that we feel with our work and how that environment how we connect with others, how we it kind of relate to the, the mission and structure of work that really drives a, a reaction and a physical response. And so sometimes we say it this way, your inputs equal your outputs. Uh, what you think will sometimes become a reality. And I think this study of neurons and the neural connection is why that can tend to happen. Here's the other thing that no matter what, you read, whether it's about science of high performers or leadership of high performers or anything surrounding high performance, there's always a section on trust. And I thought that that was really, really interesting to see that in this article as well. And it always comes back to trust and how do you build trust? And I always say trust comes from having high character and being highly competent. And when that combination comes together, you're very easy to trust. And I think that that is just a really key to high performers. The other thing I liked in it too was that high performers like to be partners with somebody and have partnerships. And I think that that is, I always tell people when they're hiring someone um, to hire their, someone they would like to partner with. It's kind of like Ted Lasso. Um, when Rebecca at the end of the show, when Keely was leaving to go start something out, she said, always hire your best friend. And that is so true. And I think that that is some really necessary 
you know, parts of high part of high trust partnerships and high performing partnerships. And I think that this kind of has the science in there to back that up, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too. Dr. Jason Jones, who was the founder and CEO of LeaderPath and author of the book Activator, uh, using brain science to boost motivation, deepen engagement, and supercharge performance. One of the things he's known for is his thought on engagement. And so I know we've spent a lot of time, team, talking about engagement. But what he really brought up is that engagement and motivation are two entirely different things. And so his science really goes into the motivation. And while a lot of companies now are really focused on engagement and thinking about the difference between what is the difference between engagement and motivation, you want to take a crack at it? So I think motivation can come from a lot of different sources, right? When you think about, you can be motivated to accomplish something, you can be motivated towards a mission, you could just wake up and have too much coffee and feel really motivated to clean your house. You know, there's that motivation can come from a lot of different angles, whereas engagement is really more focused. I think when you're, you're engaged, it's you're engaged directly with the people you're working with, you're engaged on the project at hand or the task. And that's that's done through, in my opinion, through community, right? Through who you're working with, what is it that's being accomplished together? And I think that engagement is, like you said, critical, especially to retaining top talent, right? And keeping people saying, I want to continue to be here and work with these people and be part of this culture and this team. I, I, I agree, Chris. What I heard you say is, motivation is that deep why and why I'm doing it and engagement is that commitment to the mission and each other and that they really work in tandem together what do you think Mark where did where did yeah no I I think you're spot on and and by the way I I asked the question with with uh you know not all the answers but I, I would tell you simply that um, you know, motivation has to be there, but how we as managers lead matter. Because if we're trying to lead engagement alone and, and never motivation, we might be missing something. And, and so I think it's important to know because Gallup will tell us that 70% of employment decisions are based on the manager. So if a manager is simply trying to drive uh, engagement issues, if a manager is solely focused on driving active engagement or getting associates to utilize their free time on productive work stuff, um, then we're missing the boat. There's so much more to the human than just engagement, although that commitment is driven through proper motivation. And so when managers take the time to have high quality connections, to get to know people and get to work alongside and drive together, I think that drives the, the right motivation to help stick to it. So I like the words you used. I like commitment for engagement. Um, how committed is your organization? And for motivation, I like the freedom to say, here's the deal. Chris, you're motivated way differently than I'm motivated most of the time. And Amy, same for you. Motivation is very personal and very deep. And it's an inside out job. What I need to do, what I need to put in place, who I need to be, how do I stay motivated? A lot of it, a big chunk of that's on me. And then to the support that and to call that out, well, that's the job of great managers. In the article, it broke down several different areas of uh, science that it kind of highlighted. And one of them was safety. 
and it talked about threats coming in different forms. Chris, when you think about the acronym SCARF that that they proposed, what what came to mind when it came to creating safety? Yeah, so I thought SCARF was interesting because it's somewhat well-rounded, right, as as far as creating that environment. And I'll take you through the, the points there. So status, is the employee getting the same respect as others? Uh, certainty, does the employee feel like they have the information they need to do their job? Autonomy, does the employee have the ability to influence their own actions and decisions? Own what you're doing, own your activity, own the outcome. And, and that's really important. But you also get to, with that ownership, make decisions on how that plays out. Uh, relatedness, does the employee have a sense of connection with coworkers? And fairness, does the employee have the same opportunities as coworkers? I think all of those it, working together create an environment of safety. Yeah, I agree. Amy, when you think about that list and SCARF and the acronym it represented, which one stood out to you the most as, as if you had your Amy top choice of ways to to drive safety what what would you choose that's tough it, it really depends on the person are you asking me what you think is most important to me personally or what i think is most important to as sure. a manager to do well let's go you personally me personally it's hard because I think autonomy, relatedness, and fairness, I think, are the three that stand out most to me. But I don't know of the three, they both are pretty important. I don't know which is more important than the other. That's a really hard question. Which one for you, Mark? You you take this question. You know, again, I, I agree that that it's a difficult question. I, I would probably say, you know, just just the mindset that I am right now, I think, I think that uh, relatedness. Uh, and that sense of connection uh, leading to a sense of belonging. And I think organizationally, that's one of the areas, you know, that Signature is focusing on a lot of anyway, is, is how do we make sure all of our associates are seen, heard, and felt? And then how do we, in a hybrid work environment, help people feel that sense of connection or belongingness? And I think when I think of what's the biggest challenge in 2023 and beyond, it's driving that uh, for others to make sure it's there. And, um, you know, what might be the hardest thing that we're going to do in 2023 and beyond? And, and it might be that. It might be that relatedness and, and helping associates make sure that they can almost feel and sense the culture through other people, not just through, um, you know, ad campaigns, right? It's it's like, how are you connected with this organization? I think that's really important. As we move on and we we think about this, Amy, you talked a bit about trust and mission and, and how important that is. When you think about trust um, in terms of building it on your own team and those around you, or when you're working with other people, what do you do to help ensure that you're driving high levels of trust? I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I think it comes down to having high character, doing what you say you're going to do and having that integrity and then following it up with being confident and providing what's expected and a little more. And when you do that, you get high levels of trust with people. And I tell you, when one's out of whack, if someone's highly competent, but doesn't have great character, you know, you have a hard time trusting them. If they have high character and aren't very competent and don't turn in good work to you, you also have a hard time trusting them. And so I think it's really focusing in on those two things. And I tell you, when it, 
and, and if I if I don't feel that from someone when I'm managing them or when I'm working alongside them or partnering with them, that is really hard for me to overcome. You don't do what you say you're going to do and you're filling me full of information that isn't right or filling, telling me stuff you're going to do and you never do it. It doesn't sit well with me. And, and if you don't produce, put the time in to produce the best possible outcome you can with the project you've been given, that also doesn't sit well with me because this organization deserves the best. And so that's where I really live with trust. And I think the best way I can explain it. Mm, that's a great job. Uh, we also had a category called support. Um, and Chris, when you think about support and, and how we uh, keep people kind of in a focus mode, and the focus mode is like the, the normal states of the brain, right? You always hear fight or flight. Well, it's actually fight, flight, freeze, focus. There's four avenues there. What are some of the ways that you've seen at Signature that you as a leader um, utilize to help people stay in the preferred manner of focus? It's an interesting question. I was thinking about this category and actually thought about my wife because early on in our marriage, and I keep coming back to this as my strength of strategic, right? Because when she would bring a problem to me, my instant response was, here's the solution, right? Like it's straightforward. Your problem, my solution, go fix, right? That was my approach. And it took me probably a couple of years and a lot of interesting conversations to realize that she doesn't, doesn't want a solution, right? She wants support. She wants me to empathize at the difficulty that she's experiencing. She wants me to come alongside and say, I'm here to help. It'll be okay. Let's work through it together. And applying that to um, my professional team has been incredibly successful because yes, I can provide a solution. And a lot of times that's what's needed, but at the same time, bringing that empathetic piece in and acknowledging the difficulty of what's going on um, makes the approach to the resolution easier and makes them feel like they're not alone. They're not on an island, but we're actually tackling this problem together and, and working to whatever end we need to be working to. And I think that's critically important because what we do on a daily basis is difficult and we all run through uh, good times. And then we run through some really hard times as well. And when you're going through hard times, if you feel alone, you know, that's when you start really disconnecting from people, from the culture, from everything around you. But if you're going through a hard time and your community comes alongside you and we're working through this hard time together, man, that bond is just built strong. Then you go, okay, I know I can rely on Amy. I can rely on Mark next time something comes up. And now you've got this this ironclad team that can really go through anything. Yeah, excellent, excellent wisdom there. And when we think about uh, uh, the other category, which is positive, stable cultures, uh, walking the walk, being an example, uh, tying back to what we did and let, letting kind of um, staying clear when, when, when things get hectic. Amy, what, what would you offer there? You know, it's a really, I think it's a really important question because you don't want to surprise people. And so you have to really be consistent in how you react. I always like when my team, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, comes in and says, oh, I know this is going to this, 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 and they, they know exactly how I'm going to react. 
before they even come in the door. And I really aim for that so that people aren't surprised. I do not like surprising people and I know people don't like to be surprised. And so I think that's a big key in being consistent in yourself and being consistent on what's important and being consistent on the quality that it's expected, being consistent on the norms on the team and not changing them sporadically. So I think that's one of the things that builds stability. I agree. Um, and consistency, uh, stable cultures, that that's who wins the battles. Um, I think of Simon Sinek's infinite game and, and making sure that we're all in this for the long run and that stability and, and both of character uh, so that people know what they expect when you show up. That is so darn important. All right. And the final category is, is this coaching category, coaching slash mentorship. And I know there's a difference in, in, in both approaches, right? Coaching often believes that the answer lies with the, the what we call talent or the person uh, where mentorship is. I've been there. I've done this. I'm giving you advice. Two different things at signature performance last year, we had over 547 mentorship hours, both in our Sparks program and in our Emerging Leaders Mentorship program. So it's something that we really believe in. Chris, how has coaching slash mentorship shaped your career at Signature Performance? I've been blessed to be on both sides of that coin, right? Being a mentor and a mentee. And in both situations, they were just critical to one, feeling uh, like a part of the team. Two, seeing the mission, seeing the work, seeing the relationships through a different perspective. You know, and I think that's one of the cool parts about coaching and mentorships is that you can learn from anyone. And I, I would dare to say I learned as much through being a mentor as I did through being a mentee. One, because it required me to uh, prepare and make sure our conversations were meaningful and helpful, but also because I'm now seeing and communicating and talking through how this other person is viewing their environment, viewing their workload, viewing all the different elements of being part of Signature. There's such benefit to that because we all have different experiences. We have different uh, belief systems, different foundations in our iceberg, if you will, uh, that allow us to perceive situations in widely varying ways. And this is where coaching becomes so profitable. And, and for those of you who are out there who are still young in your careers, you have stuff and perspectives and thoughts and ideas that are valuable and that people can benefit from. And for those of you who've been around a while, the same is true, right? We all, because of our different experiences and um, perceptions, have this beautiful opportunity to come together and create solutions and bounce ideas off each other and just help each other grow. And I think that's really what's so powerful about coaching. It's just becoming a, a mind meld, if you will, to, to pursue uh, our mission. Yeah, Chris, and I always thought it was like having a personal board of director. Yep. I mean, it's really nice to have someone who's vested in you, but not directing you. That's coaching. And yep. it's also nice to work with someone in a different department with a different perspective, doing a different job. And then that aha moment that happens when it's like, oh, this is where our worlds connect. 
and you understand that the revenue cycle is the revenue cycle, <laughs> that that all the parts we're playing in, whether we're uh, adjudicating claims or, or working on self-pay accounts. I mean, there, there is a lot that goes into that that can really uh, synthesize us and make us better. So uh, all these different ways the article brought out, safety, you know, psychological support, mission, trust, coaching, positive, stable cultures, how important that is. And I really want to challenge our listener with something so that when they uh, walk away, they have something to do. Chris, would you mind issuing today's challenge? I challenge all of you to be open-minded and to pursue each of these five elements because they they will make a difference for you. They'll make a difference for your teams. And it, it's universal, right? This allows all of us to function at a higher level. So, you know, practice what what we preach, <laughs> so to speak. But, you know, it, it, and if you wanted to start with one, start with one, right? What's something that I can focus on this week and then just build on it, right? Build on it. What's the next one? What's the next one? And you'll be amazed at, at how subtly things around you start to change and you find the environment that you're working in becoming more and more enjoyable and uh, more stable. Mm, that's an excellent challenge. Put these in perspective. I want to thank Gwen Moran uh, for writing this article for, uh, you know, that we'll have in the show notes for you to take a look at. And Chris, your challenge was just perfect. Try to Try to put in perspective and put into action each one of those. Now, for our listeners out there who want to be highly engaged and highly motivated, I'll tell you what, let's let's give let's give you this challenge. I want you to go ahead and send us an email at podcast at signatureperformance.com, or you can comment on your social media wherever you found the episode. But figure which one of those elements will you start with? Which one will you put into action first and rise to Chris's challenge? We really would like to hear from you and hope that you can enjoy this article as you carry on your week and help us lean into healthcare and reduce those costs and burdens associated with care while helping us improve the health of our clients' business and making the lives of those we work with better. Chris, Amy, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to be together. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Amy. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, Mark. Bye, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Amy. Signature Performance is the foremost leader in healthcare administration. Your work advancing our mission is transforming healthcare in the U.S. Signature is bringing together the best and brightest in healthcare. Discover opportunities at www.signatureperformance.com slash careers and be inspired to build an uncommon career that matters.